This episode of The Loyal Sun Show is brought to you by Rendine Consulting. If you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know all about Rendine Consulting's commitment to the Pitt Athletics program and brand, and how much they've meant to the Loyal Suns. That's Rendine Consulting, providing investment managers assistance with technology integration. Visit www.rendineconsulting.com for more information. That's www.rendineconsulting.com. Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Suns on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love tailgating in freezing weather and hate three-man punter rotations, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Brought to you by Pittsburgh Sports Now. Today is Wednesday, November twenty-third, and. What? Kind of. Yeah. Barely. Yeah. Hey, we won, fellas. A win's a win's a win. At this point, there's no style points to be had. We're just trying to avoid that ghastly 7-5. As long as we can avoid 7-5, I just can't. I can't do that. The only thing that can change by the way Pitt plays like the last three weeks of the year is um, one it looks a little bit prettier in hindsight, and if we can get to like eight and five, nine and four, it looks better in hindsight, and we can convince ourselves that this year wasn't like weird and bad. Um, and also, it decides what bowl we play in between December twenty seventh and December 29th. Could always get the Fenway Bowl. I think that's on the seventeenth this year, so it can end our end our season a little early and uh, get out of here. Before before Christmas time, that'd be pretty merciful. But yeah, so uh, Pitt um, beat Duke. Almost blew it. Our defense played great until they didn't. We did the thing where we got too excited, and we probably knew in the back of our minds we weren't just going to run away with the game. But whenever we went up two scores, we were hooting and hollering, having a good time. And this one woman, probably 50 years old, next to us was sitting down under a blanket and goes, Oh, there's a lot of football left. And I was like, listen, lady, I know you're right, but don't tell me that right now. That's really mean of her to be correct. Honestly, if they had just kept rolling after they went up 28 to 14, there's probably something we could have gleaned from that and and talk about. But then they, yeah, just, they just kind of stopped trying to score and slow us through two bad picks. And I did the math in the fourth quarter. I think it was 31 total yards. And 22 was from one Izzy run. I think that sums up how they got to where they were. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Izzy had the quietest, like, 110-yard and one touchdown game ever. Because I think that's just kind of what we've come to expect. But, yeah, they, they stopped playing to win in the second half and just kind of, like, tried to hold on for dear life, sit on the clock. I don't know. At halftime, I was starting to feel myself a little bit. I was like, oh, Slovis is back. He looks good. He's made some throws. 
maybe, maybe he's finally turning the corner. And then he came out in the second half and just threw two terrible picks and brought us right back down to earth. I don't think that was very outrageous of us to say. He did look pretty sharp early on. I mean, in yeah, comparison and against to Virginia. what he looked. Yeah, and against UVA. It was, it was a game and a half where he looked like he was maybe starting to regain that form from the beginning of the year. And then... He took right. two steps forward and then took like nine steps back. So we're back to where we were five weeks ago with how we think of Keaton Slovis. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. Dude. This team that we have been watching all year is playing exactly how they've played all year. <laughs> There's no switch to be flipped. This is who we are and this is how it's happening. Who would have thought? So that's about enough on that game. Um I Wait, want to talk, talk about, about how, the punters. Oh, I was going to talk about how cold I was, but uh, the entire time and how it made me hate what was already like terrible and going on. Uh, but yeah, what what is going on with that? I just wanted to say we need to have some sort of exorcism on the special teams room, and then yeah, we can leave it at that. It's just the worst special teams play I've ever seen at any level of football in my entire life. I vote for a full-time special teams coach next year. Let, uh, yeah. let Coach Powell focus on the running backs and let someone who coaches special teams handle that unit. I don't know. I've, I've, I think I've seen enough of the the cycle of punters coming in and out and dropping kicks and giving teams the ball in the, in the red zone or in the end zone, like the West Virginia game. And uh, I, I don't know. That happened one, one other time this year, but... Please just figure it out. You know, I, I think it was it was Bill Belichick that said, um, if you have three punters, you really have zero punters. I'm kidding. Bill Belichick, like any other logical human, just picked a punter that kicked the ball the furthest and played them and didn't do a merry-go-round of punters like per situation and who's got the hot foot. It's the weirdest thing. And how how what does it say about this pit season that this is the most interesting thing we have to talk about today? Yeah. So, what what were you saying about being cold? I was freezing. Thirty degrees has never been colder. Is it because there was like no bodies in the stadium to radiate and you know bounce heat off of, or just because uh, pit fans are allergic to like cheering? So we just kind of sat with our hands in our pockets the whole time. I mean, tailgating, drinking cold beverages for five hours prior to kickoff, and then standing in a stadium on a river uh, for three and a half, four more hours will make you cold, believe it or not. Uh, No matter how many layers you had, it sucked. You ran out of hand warmers. You were SOL, yeah. Yeah, and Pitt made the game just close enough that we actually had to stay till the very end. Oh, what I would have given for Pitt to have gotten the ball back after that uh, Hill pick six and just scoop scored and one score. more. Scoop and score. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Scoop and score. Just, like, go up 21. We would have been in Tequila Cowboy so fast. I think at the end we were saying, like, it's a shame that Duke isn't down by one, so this two-point conversion is do or die. Because <laughs> if they got the two-point conversion, the game would at least be over and we could leave. But instead, if they got it, it would have gone to overtime. That would have taken another 45 minutes and we might have had some pneumonia cases. I'm just get I'm just glad Boss dropped his nuts and cleaned that up. Yeah, he, Shut, 
Shout out to Savassier. 14 tackles, a career high, ACC linebacker of the week. Didn't walk in senior day. Does that mean he might be coming back next year? I don't eyebrows, know. Eyebrows, eyebrows, I guess that's a positive we can take from that. But hey, Izzy, player of the week as well for running back. Ben Sauls with the specialist of the week. Can he punt? I'm sure he could punt. Can he catch a ball? That's the question. I mean, it's just like kicking, but the ball's moving. Four-man punter rotation this week in Miami? They should put all three. If we have to punt four times in Miami, let's just not punt. Let's just score every drive or go for it on every fourth down. Have you thought about that? Yeah. That's how bad the punting unit's been. You might as well just take a shot every fourth down. (laughs) Then do onside kicks every time. Do cut every fourth down. They didn't need to punt. Why don't we just do that? Anyone still listening? Did anyone listen to begin with? Were they really intrigued to hear about our takes on on that game that took place on Saturday. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, let the, let listeners behind the curtain too much, but it might surprise you guys to know that uh, interest in pit football has died off as the season has gone on. Yeah. Turns out you don't need an analysis of terrible offensive performances. It's bad. And everyone knows it. <laughs> My mom knows it. All right. This is a little too negative. Um, we did win the game, but we did Woo! talk to Harry Paceras, the pit guru, for about an hour, and he's awesome, and he's the burst of energy that pit fans need. So uh, stay listening for that, for Harry. If you don't want to listen to us anymore, he does most of the talking, so that's yeah. coming up next. Yeah, and he also was on energy drink number three, so um, the second this segment ends and we get to that interview, it's going to feel like a shotgun blast to the face in terms of you know, disparity in, in energy. So get ready for that. Strap in. Hey, Panther Nation. Have you ever crashed your spin scooter going down Cardiac Hill? Or wiped out on an icy sidewalk in South Oakland? Have you ever been hit by a bus crossing Forbes Avenue? Well, you may not have to pay that hospital bill on your own. If you're hurt in an accident... Pick up the phone and call Guido at Guerrera Law. Guido Guerrera is a University of Pittsburgh Law School grad, pit football superfan, and experienced personal injury attorney who's licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio. And it is 100% free to call him for consultation on your personal injury case. So the next time you get rear-ended in Oakland rush hour traffic, or if you fall down the stairs at Peter's, Call Guido. All joking aside, Oakland and the world can be a very dangerous place. If you need legal help, talk to Guido. He'll treat you like a fellow Pitt fan and never like a number. 412-229-7757 is the number to call. That's 412-229-7757 to call Guido. You can also contact Guerrero Law at GuerreraLaw.com. That's G-U-R-R-E-R-A. Call Guido today. Please welcome to the show, Pitt contributor for Pittsburgh Sports Now and all-around Pitt guru, Harry Paceres. Harry, how you doing today? Fellas, it's awesome to be here. I'm excited. This is awesome. Did I nail the pronunciation? We just practiced for a couple minutes. We, we just didn't. I confused you. Yeah, it's Paceres. Very, very Greek, as everyone knows. I brag about it. 
<laughs> a I proud should, people. I should have served you baklava as uh, we did this, but uh, exactly. Baklava is my single because I'm I'm Lebanese, so you know we have that overlap. Um, baklava is my single favorite dessert that doesn't have chocolate in it because I do have a child's palate. But uh, yeah, the the Greeks did it right with that one. Dude, it's a thousand calories per bite, but every single one is worth it. So I didn't uh, need to know that. Yeah, man, we're around Turkey Day now. It's coming. My mom's making it right now. I'm excited. It'll be great. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I, I could use an invite to the Paceras family Thanksgiving if, if there's Dude, baklava. Turkey, baklava, and uzo. You're coming. It'll be great. It'll be I'm great. In. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. If you pronounce awesome. the name of the door, you're invited. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> the, the secret word at the door is pronouncing your last name correctly. <laughs> Well, so to get into uh, your, your background a little bit, you are, you have become known as the pit guru. I don't know if that was you know a, a uh, moniker you gave to yourself or it was afforded to you, but why don't you tell us a little bit about your background with pit? Are you a pit guy or or are you you know born or was it adopted? How how did uh, you get to where well, you well, are? First, I, let me tell you about the name. We'll just go back to the name for a minute. So um, before there was the pit guru's Panther page. So my my claim to fame right off the bat is I'm an OG. I'm the first guy to publish a pit recruiting site. Um, this is before, um, and then I jumped over to Rivals and Scout. We can get into that, but I, I literally coded the site myself, but there was a, a, a like a, a, a big East board anybody could get on. And this is way in the heyday of the internet when I was graduating from pit. And I was like one of like 10 pit people compared to hundreds of others of big East people. We get attacked constantly. But what I started doing was putting up information on pit, pit recruiting. I would kind of do my research. And the one guy just said out of the blue, dude, you're the guru. You're like the pit guru on this board. And that always stuck. So I didn't, because I've had people, of course, you know, Twitter's like, dude, you're a douche. You know, they're getting on me, screaming, telling me. I, I, I didn't self-proclaim. But, you know, and it kind of stuck. It was always kind of fun. It was always kind of cool. But I grew up in Weirton, West Virginia, Steel Town. 30 miles from Pittsburgh. So um, although um, I was a West Virginian, everybody there considered themselves essentially Pittsburghers. I mean, you could, I don't have the accent or anything like that, you know, Steeler fans, everything else. And I grew up in a household of diehard crazed Mountaineer fans. Um, my dad was hardcore and my dad and my uncle would call each other and they were kind of recruiting before it was cool. They'd sit there and they would talk about, well, this player chose us over this school. He runs this. So I got, progressively into it and when i had that big east board experience i thought to myself there's a market here like people are dying to know this information and i i went one day and i'm i live in robinson township here in pittsburgh i went to the barnes and noble i bought uh, html for dummies uh, I'm, I'm extraordinarily type a if you haven't noticed by now and i sat down <laughs> and uh I, I i i got my energy drink out and i was coding all night. And it's embarrassing if you saw what I had together, but it worked. And um, people start gravitating towards it. I was hearing more from pit fans. People liked it. And then I would go and I'd market. I marketed at games. I'd be handing out flyers. I paid for advertising and it really start picking up steam. And um, I'll never forget. It might've been, I mean, I'm going way, way back, but um, I'll never forget the first time I'm like, well, you know what, what if I try to call a recruit or a coach and interview them? And then I start putting out interviews and it really start picking up from there. So to make a long story short, I've already made it long. Um, I started my, I mean, I'm in, I'm in the medical field right now, but I started as an, as an engineer. 
Um, one day I'm sitting in my office almost in the middle of the night and I get a call from like Tennessee or something. And I hear, Hey, Harry Caceres, this is Bobby Burton, rivals.com. And Bobby start laying out, dude, do you realize the traffic that you're getting? And it was substantial. And he said, listen, come on board with us. You'll what basically is a hobby at the moment. I was getting some residuals from like clothing and things like that. But he said, you're going to be making a fair amount of money. And I jumped on from there. It was pretty crazy. The other thing that happened was um, I was at the stage where the internet was laughed at. I mean, you look at it now, you look at guys that have revolutionized it. I mean, Chris Peak's awesome. Mike Bakovkan's awesome. You look at what they've done. It was laughed at. It was like the bastard stepchild back then. What happened, and this is a true story, they were at a, like a board of directors meeting. And they're all talking, but they weren't talking about the Post-Gazette or the Trib. They're talking about my site. Going, did you see on Harry's board? Did you see on Harry's board? Well, out of the blue, they're like, who is this guy? Who's this crazy Greek that's putting all this information out? They called me. We ended up going out to eat. And I like to think on some level I helped legitimize the Internet. Um, and, and you have to, you know, back then it was considered this rogue Mad Max area where you went into. And they start realizing, you know, there's substantial traffic here and it should be legitimized and maybe allowed into games like reporters, things like that. So, you know, I could kind of tip my hat into, you know, I jumped over eventually to Rivals. Um, Scout pulled me over. It might have been not the best move at the time, but they were talking about turning it into a full time income. Um, they laid out everything for me. It was kind of crazy. But um, so the rival site, the scout site. And, and I think I really did. If I have another claim to fame, I helped legitimize the Internet and coverage of sports locally through the Internet. So long story, but put a lot of work into it. And I'm very proud of it. And look at it now. Now uh, it was laughed at or back then it was laughed at. Now we look at every single like from every single recruit to try yep. to solve these mysteries that recruiting is. You know, and, and I tell you what's great is now going back 20 years, uh, the relationships, you know, you built with these recruits, you know, and I'm, hell, I matured a lot. I mean, it was a younger, brash kid back then. If a kid decommitted, I'd hold against him. And I have a whole philosophy now. I treat every recruit like they would be my son. Kenny Minchie just decommitted. God bless him. Good luck. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't bad, I wouldn't foul mouth any recruit, you know, because um, they did back then. I would take it very personal. but. You know, I, I look at what I call my pit family, which is expansive. But if you look at it now, it's it's just been 20 plus years of getting to know the parent, getting to know the recruit, getting to know the family. I mean, it's it's awesome. It really is. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Definitely a more uh, mature approach than we would take. <laughs> I see you guys get fired up every so often. You know, I yeah, you know, you know, we we just forgave Jordan Addison and all it took was everything for him to, you know, say to be correct. And then for him to have like nine, one seventy and one in the biggest game of his career. So, uh, Kenny Minchie, we're still, it's, still, I mean, we aren't going to sit here and cause he is a child, but we, so we aren't going to sit here and like rip him apart, but it, it hurts Kenny. It hurts. We, t we take it a little bit personally. Well, you know, in all fairness, when Jordan left, because someone will call me out on this, I put up a big picture of Benedict Arnold, and I, I tweeted out, and I sat and I stared at it, and I go, you know what, you got to take it down. <laughs> it might have been up like a half, and boy, it had like, I swear to you, it had like over 100 likes in a half hour, 
And I'm staring, I'm going, you're better than this dude. Just rip it. And he follows me still. He follows me. And I'm like, take it down, take it down. He made a decision, let it go. So I try, I've learned, I try to be really good about it. I try to really look at every recruit and think that that could be my son and, you know, try to be mature about it, but it's, it's taken me 20 years to get to this point. So we'll get there one day. Yeah, we'll get there. You know, you think, get, you'll get there. Trust me. It'll happen. I think we, we just need to get a little bit older because we aren't much older than a lot of college athletes. So it doesn't feel as much like we're punching down, um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll get i mean they have more money than us now so you know oh it's it's this this new system is sent just just it's insane um you know and and i i I still laugh because they say it's not pay for play but come on i mean you know um you know i don't know i kind of know actually pitt's philosophy when it comes to you know uh, kids out of high school they haven't necessarily proven themselves but I've talked to enough. It's funny. I don't write as much now because I might be the busiest human being you're ever going to speak with. There's, I, I get, I'm on the board of directors of two different organizations. I, I, you guys know what I'm doing later tonight. I'm organizing light up night for North Fayette, but I interact with all the recruits and I'm, I'm telling you, you know, NIL it's a slippery slope. It's, it's, there's a lot of pay for play. It's crazy. So how is, how has NIL changed uh, recruitment as far as you've seen? Well, you're bottom line, you're going to have schools that are exceptionally aggressive about offering packages to players. Um, then you have some, and I think, I believe, Pitt's a little more on this end. It's saying, you know, if an NIL deal is going to come across to a player, they're going to prove themselves first. Well, that's great, but if you're that four- or five-star player and you're down to, let's say, Pitt, we'll throw out Notre Dame because we know where Minshew went someplace else – and they're fronting you with a six-figure package. Where are you going to go? In particular, right. if your family's hurting, and I, and, and I should say this: if you're, if you know, it's a financial issue with the family. God bless them. Take it. It's there. You know, it's in front of you. So the other where it's the other way it's going to factor in as well. We're entering, or we're going to be entering it soon. The transfer portal is now flat out free agency. It's it's crazy. So um, let's be honest. Jordan Addison, you know, God bless him, was probably offered and we all know a substantial amount of money again are you going to take that or, or stay at Pitt? And i don't know what was proposed to him or you know um we're going to be probably potentially be hunting for a portal quarterback right now you know if Pitt's competing with the school it's going to be putting up millions where do you think that guy's going to go so it, it's it's changing quite a bit i will say it's it's i, I think people don't understand that not it, it's the tip of an iceberg and the elite players are getting the big money most are going out there for Subway, Dunkin' Donuts, whatever it is, and they're making a few grand here or there. Um, you know, we're talking about some bigger names, but their schools are going to get more and more aggressive, and the SEC is going to push this. All that oil money in the SEC, you're going to see these numbers escalate with these high school kids. We saw, well, they're falling apart, but we saw it happen with Texas A&M already. <laughs> so so I, I, I do want to keep asking you about Pitt's approach to using NIL in, in recruitment, uh, but you, you mentioned something there that I, that I want to follow up on. Uh, you you think there's a chance Pitt's going to go into the portal for a quarterback again? Uh, if I had to, sp- well, first of all, we have to see what's happening with uh, Slovis, um, um, you know, and and see if he's going to be returning. Um, I- I'm assuming Yornell's returning, but I think we have to see of the quarterbacks that graduated who's coming back. Um, and we can get into the Yornell discussion. That's, I mean, no, excuse me, the uh, Slovis discussion. That's going to be interesting in and of itself. Um, I believe ultimately. They're going to try to land, even though Minchie just left, and they don't have a lot of time, try to flip 
is the optimal word, a high school quarterback. And I know several right now they're, they're kind of pursuing. Um, and then I, I believe they might hit the portal for um, a transfer. I think we're going to get two quarterbacks uh, ultimately. Um, you know, we don't know if Nick's coming back, Nick Patty, if he wants to come back at all. I, I, be- I believe there's a chance for him to come back as well. So I think the next two weeks are going to be very, very interesting. Um, if Slovis decides to come back, we all can't be naive. He's probably the guy next year. Um, and I, I, you know, I'll throw this out to you. I haven't heard any other podcast. I'll give you sizzling take on this one, but um, my clients are neurosurgeons and neurologists. I call on the top of the food chain intellectually. I'm on two boards for autism. And uh, I, right now I'm looking at studying peptides when it comes to neuroplasticity for the brain. So the brain is something that I study and have a lot of conversations about. Um, I really think that Keaton has never recovered from the concussion that he experienced at Tennessee. Get just my two cents. I think pre-concussion in that game, he was uh, a little bit sharper a player than what he is now. Um, th- that's, and I'm not at all talking malfeasance on the part of, of Pitt's coaching staff. You can have a concussion, recover, get cleared, but still mentally, cognitively, the synapses aren't there. Um, I don't think he's fully recovered. That's just my two cents. So there's been this interesting debate. If he comes back, is he the guy? He's clearly going to be the guy. Narduzzi's favoring him. He talked about him today. He said, don't look at the negative, look at the positive, although there's been a lot of negative. Um, I personally, my two cents, if he wants to come back, I would have him fully evaluated um, to, to just see if cognitively there isn't any sustained damage or something they can do to help him going into next year. I just think he's not processing the field like he was prior to the injury. So I gave you a long answer, but I think they're going to be bringing in two quarterbacks, high school transfer. Um, if they all decide to come back, that would change things. I just can't see that. I, I Like I said, I think one of the two in particular, probably Slovis might come back have to imagine patty you know takes a look elsewhere he's he's been a soldier all this time and uh you know real real pit guy and i you know would love to see him suit up and and start somewhere even if it's not pit i, I nick nick's a a, a, a great guy mm-hmm. uh, great family let me say that let me add that too oh we great love the family. patties we love the patties and um great family and he's a tough kid i you know i'll just say it i i still wonder um if a record wouldn't be slightly better if he would have started. I, I know there was so much uh, pomp and circumstance around Slovis. Um, I, I don't know. Even even after the game on Saturday, um, I, I just pull my hair out. Uh, the interceptions that were thrown, you, you get it if like a ball's tipped. You know, you, you, can, you can see that. Um, when you're thrown directly to a DB, it's an issue, you know. And I, I thought, you know, the beginning of um, – uh, the game against Virginia, excuse me, um, throws, Bub finally catches the ball. Bub means gets up, catches the ball. <laughs> you know, there's some oversold players this season, but he catches the ball. I'm excited. It looked like there was improvement, and then there were some consistently underthrown balls after that, you know, um, including a, um, a miscommunication with Bartholomew that might have gone for a while too. And then this game again, I, I just – like, you know, Dew said today, you know, focus on the good. Man, there's been a lot of bad. Um, I I wonder if Nick – and, again, this might be controversial, but Nick's a tough Jersey kid that, that grew up in this system and, you know, probably had some rapport with the players and just makes me wonder if they would have saved that scholarship, honestly, just started him if we wouldn't have a better record. 
Just my yeah. take. Just my take. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of pit fans are on your side as well. Um, I, I do agree with what you said about Slovis not fully recovering. I thought those six quarters he played prior to the concussion looks like a completely different player. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of gone to bat for him a little bit throughout the season mm-hmm. as like, you know, I saw something there prior, like early in the season that we haven't seen since, but it's like, I haven't wanted to jump ship on that, but it, it's hard to ignore the numbers and what we see with our eyes on Saturdays. Uh, it's, it's been rough at times for sure. Uh, you, again, I told you, I guys, I study neuroplasticity. Uh, I, like I said, I'm looking into a, a peptide right now. It's um, marketed in the UK to help with autistic children. Um, and you know, you, the brain can recover. If you're getting bashed game in, and I see what like someplace in high school, I may see the amount of punishment these guys take. It's very hard to fully recover. I don't think that recovery's happened. I and and again, repeat so I don't get sued. Um, I don't think there's any malfeasance at all on the on the on the uh, coaching staff. He's been cleared, he's in. Again, that doesn't mean there isn't damage there, something's going on. But I've talked to two separate quarterbacks coaches that have put some really good players in the league, and I'm not going to mention names. Both have said the same thing. Up to that point, of like the game and a half you were mentioning, he was processing things a lot quicker. That's not happening now, and I, I just don't see improvement. You know, um, every time he goes to throw, I hold my breath. I, I so I, I just wonder if they would have went with Patty if we wouldn't have had a different outcome. Yeah, very fair. And uh, to kind of jump back a little bit to the recruiting stuff we were touching on earlier, we talked a little bit about NIL and obviously how social media has changed recruiting. But just from a pit perspective, not a national scene perspective, but just from a pit perspective, how have you seen recruits, maybe their change in how they perceive the pit program over the years? Like from when you started to now, like how what is the selling point for uh, recruits when they're coming to Pittsburgh because I know other teams will try to recruit against Pitt with the the urban environment or you know they don't have an on-campus stadium so what what is that selling point and how do those high school kids perceive Pitt it, it's it's a great question and I've seen a metamorphosis over the years so um you know and you go back to the two OGs here that have ridden the wave for a long time myself Chris Peak, you know and he probably give you the same thing you you go back and look We've had, you guys know the tumult associated with this program. So it all depends on the time we're discussing. I mean, if you go back to like the, the time when like Todd Graham and, and Dave Onstead was being removed, it's pure chaos. But in general, there is a niche for Pitt. Um, I, my son, my oldest son right now, God bless him, he's a freshman architecture major at Kent State. So you go to Kent State, it's all grass, all greens, all laid out, go to other campuses like that. You go into the farms of Big Ten, all their campuses with all the cows. And so, I mean, that is completely different to Pitt, which is an urban campus. But Pitt does have a significant appeal. So first, let's focus now on what Coach Narduzzi has done. And I understand at times people rip Coach Narduzzi. He's done a phenomenal job building a winning culture, building a family culture, and graduating as players. Okay, so you combine that with the city of Pittsburgh, which is obviously well-known for sports, plus the Steelers facilities. So there are a tremendous amount of selling points for the university. And what you need to do is tap into the player that shows up. It just goes gaga over the urban campus, the proximity to the Steelers. These are all very relevant selling points. But what the stability that Coach Narduzzi has brought in the winning associated with that. And I know I hear all these guys go, well, we need one season last year. 
we've won enough that they know if they come here, they're going to be competing for a title in the ACC. Um, from talking to players, talking to coaches, the mystique or the aura around Pitt has improved exponentially. Last year, to me, was the icing on the cake. Um, that being said, all that being said, Pitt will never be the school, at least I don't believe so, that's going to be a USC, and, and a, no one shoot me here, a Penn State. Some of these guys that are consistently landing four to five star recruits. This staff is exceptional. Let me tell you their niche. Getting the three-star recruit that's on the verge of a four-star. They get a few four-stars too, I should say that. That they know how to develop and they turn into rock stars. And they're really good at that. So every year I get bludgeoned. I mean, I just get beat over the head. Letter of intent day comes and I have every douche on Twitter, like just coming crazy going, well, I don't see all the four stars. It, like that's not their niche, their niche. And I mean, if you go through who they have committed now, because I've heard this every time, oh, they have three stars. Look at their offers. Forget stars. Throw that aside. Look at their offers. And these are players with 14, 15, 16 P5 offers. That's awesome. That player can develop into a rock star overnight with the appropriate coaching. Or, you know, I, I tell them to have faith in the staff. You look at Turbo, Tim Salem, uh, my, my, and just because he kicked ass on Saturday and he just got linebacker of the week for ACC. But the best example, Servasier Dennis. He commits to us. I put up an article. I, he, he was so loved at the school he was at. I think he was committed to Army. I, I think so. He flipped. He went to Pitt. His defensive coordinator and his head coach were on the phone almost like a tug of war to talk to me to let me know how amazing this kid is. I put the article up, and I was accused of being part of this Pitt Illuminati that was trying to spread like all this good karma. And I'm like, what are you talking? I couldn't believe it. I was getting reprimanded for putting up something positive about a recruit. And, and I think Boss's play spoke for itself. And this was a guy, I don't know if he had any stars at all. So I have mm -hmm. faith in the staff when it comes to finding talent. But their niche, so to, again, to answer your question, has the perception improved? Yes, absolutely. I think, And I think a lot of that has to do with the stability, the winning. And they're going to be able to lean on last year with Kenny and the crew for a long time. They really will. Um, there is... Uh, uh, there's a lot of sizzle to sell with the program, with the proximity to the Steelers, everything that makes it unique. I've had players too, and it's interesting, um, that just go through the tunnel, see the city and go, I'm coming here. Like they're bored until they get through the tunnel and go, holy hell, when they look at what, what the city has to offer too. Um, now, you mean if, Green again, Tree isn't enthralling to them? What's that? You mean Green Tree isn't enthralling to them? I know. I, it's hard to believe. That should be the first stop, but they always, they always seem to leave that out. I don't know what the hell's going on. It's crazy. But, you know, um, I, I, it's funny because, like I said, if, you, if we go back in segments, because Pitt was a program in absolute shambles and chaos for a period of time, um, nobody would come here. It was, it was difficult. Um, but now, I mean, I look back, the, the, the dumbest line I've ever heard a coach when they've come in, um, Todd Graham gets up in that, that, that backwood – crap salesman the accent the whole deal and we had like two weeks before letter of intent day and this is when there wasn't two there was just one and he goes i'm gonna bring in the best recruiting class this school's ever had and i'm like yeah right 
get the hell out of here. And then like, we ended up, that ended up being like the worst class that said pit back like two years. If you look at the numbers, like we barely held on to anybody. Um, so stability does matter. And for those fans that like gripe and scream about coach Narduzzi, you know, we played pretty good football for the most part. When you look, yeah, we lose a few. We shouldn't have lost. I mean, that's happened, but he's brought stability. He's brought winning. And um, the coaches that I talk to love the staff and love Narduzzi. He's very respected. So you mentioned stars and the recruiting ratings. I think everyone only cares about how many stars you get, and that's why people aren't too happy about the recruiting classes lately because they don't have the four, five-star guys. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because you've been in the – in the recruiting world for a while, I'm sure you have some insights on the rating process of recruits. First, let me say this. All the sites do it a bit differently. Um, uh, you know, and there is to some degree, and this might not shock you guys, a bit of politics involved because you often hear, well, the kid was a three-star here, decommitted, went to throw one out Ohio state. Now he's a four-star. There's a reason for that because they do try to appease certain fan bases. But that that being said, if a fan's asking me what should I look for, first thing is just watch their film. Second thing, to me, what matters are offers. So you have scouting, you have scouts, you have football coaches from all these different schools looking at that player going, you know what? He's pretty damn good. He can, If you're getting an offer, remember this, if you're getting a scholarship offer, that staff believes you can help them, period. So I tend to look at who's being offered. The only exception to that would be kids that, that everybody hits their maturation process at a different time. You get some that come to camp and they might have added 20 pounds. They, they, they might have worked their tails off in the summer and they get a pit offer, maybe commit, and they had a few in hand. Uh, camp offers, my thought is, well, you're there. The entire staff is watching you. Deuce has to pull you over and separate you. Then you get the offer. I'll give them a little bit of leeway. That's a little bit different. So for the most part, stars to me mean little. Offers mean a lot. And I'm going to go back to even this current, this current crop that we have coming in. Yeah, there's not a lot of four stars. But these kids are averaging 14 to 15 P5 offers. So that many P5 schools looked and said they could help us. The guys that are anymore, the guys that might be fringe, where it's later in the season, they're taking a flyer and they throw one out late. Um, often, from what I could see, you know, don't pan out. Um, the other thing that's occurred twice Um We've offered, and I think it occurred this year, and it occurred like a year ago, the player down at, from Morgantown High School. Um, they got a little too excited with the camp offer. The player was probably more than likely having a mediocre year with no other P5 offers, which says to you they got a little too excited watching them at camp, and they pulled it. That's bad because usually those schools, and I've, I've been in the, the – trust me, I've been – I've called those guys and been told off before – are probably never going to let Pitt back in their school. So you want to avoid that, too. They've been – with alignment, they, they've blown it a couple times uh, with a few. I can come to mind. Um, this year and then last year, you're going to be careful with that. But I would always say watch the film, look at the offers. Camp's a little bit different. Camp, you got to give uh, – you at least have to give the staff a little bit of credit. They've evaluated them. They think they're good enough to help. So I'm, I'm not enthralled with the star system that much. Um, obviously – a player is a four and five star 
for reason, more than likely they've accumulated more. Um, but if Pitt closes this season um, or this this recruiting hall with very few four stars, I'm I'm not going to be that upset. Uh, what I will do is look at average average of what they've attained, and right now they have a pretty strong class coming in. David might be a little upset, so we have to talk we, about yeah. the ledge. We had no number. We had this argument last year, or I'm sorry, last week, um, and and my point was that there's a that blue chip ratio, there's a direct correlation between guys, schools getting four and five stars and success. And my acknowledgement would be, yes, Pitt has been very, very good at developing those three stars. But if we want to take a step to the next level, if we want last year to be, you know, more something that we can come to expect as opposed to, I don't know, the the sole, you know, shining star in a sea of 40 years um, that we might need to start developing four stars into five stars as opposed to three stars into four stars. Would, would you say there's any merit to to that or, or am I, am I fully shoved in the locker here? No, no, you're right. I mean, if you're looking at percentages of four stars that are bust, it's probably significantly lower and they're rated that high for a reason. Um, I'll give you this too. Um, and I think it factors in to what we're looking at this year on the football field. It'll go back to Kenny and think of Addison, think of um, the pride of Canada, Jared Wayne. You're looking at those players. Those guys came into the system and developed chemistry. Like, you know, I, I forgot what I, – I, I, it's escaping me if it was Clemson or who we played. I never – Wayne ended up – no, 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 no. I'm uh, Yeah, it was Jared Wayne caught the ball. Kenny looked and he saw him up against – he saw a linebacker was already lining up across from him. And already had the touchdown in mind. I'm pretty sure it was Wayne. Tossed the ball, automatic touchdown. It, that chemistry you, you develop kind of maturing through the program. So if you do land a four-star that works, and you do have a higher probability of them working, then you're not having to rely on the transfer portal as much. And the reason I say that, when you look at this year, it's been like an erector set. Um, you know, you're bringing in um, two, they were claiming touted receivers in Mumfield and Bub Means. You're bringing in uh, you know, Slovis, ready to talk about that. I think chemistry matters, and it just hasn't clicked for me this year. I haven't seen it. I just, and I, I think that's another reason if you can establish someone, whether it's a high three star to your point, a four star, there's that higher probability of, of an all star in the making, but they can mature and develop in the system, and there's cohesion. No one talks about the seaboard chemistry, but we haven't had it this year. And when you're trying to just smash all these players together and having a new coordinator doesn't help, um, it just hasn't panned out. I mean, not you know, again, we have a winning season. We're going to go to a bowl. It's great, but it hasn't looked seamless at all. It, it's been at times like a painful colonoscopy watching the games, you know? I was wondering if there was a way that we could somehow circle this back to blame Frank Signetti. Um, so you, you mentioned that it's, you know, difficult to develop that chemistry with a new offensive coordinator. Would you say, as we would, that some of his decision-making and overall methodology uh, might not help? Oh, well, yes. First, let me say this. The the run-to-pass ratio, I never quite expected. And um, it's funny. Uh, I'm, I'm griping about that. Um, but I, I will tell you, um, I don't trust Slovis when he throws the ball. Um, 
So, you know, I, I think Izzy's our best way. And we're playing Miami here shortly, obviously. Uh, we're going to have to win on his shoulders. Um, but I, I, it's been an odd year. Um, I described it before as the ambient offense um, because <laughs> it, it just, uh, it, you know, it, it, there were maybe three games in a row uh, you could put in a thimble what my wife knows, my beautiful wife, Michelle, uh, when it comes to football. But she'd go, you guys run up the middle every first down. And I go, you're right. And I mean, so she called it. I mean, she was watching and just pulling her hair out. And uh, his calls uh, often baffle me. Um, the heavy reliance on the run is is baffling. Um uh, like I said, I, I just, it's just been a very unique year. I'll say this. Um, so I don't completely disparage him. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan uh, of the offense as a whole. Um, the receivers with the exception of the pride of Canada um, have been less than stellar to say they were oversold is a wild uh, understatement. Um, both means and Mumfield, the two M's. Um, uh, uh, lack. I, I don't often see separation with them. So you have a scenario where many of your receivers that are on the field are unable to get separation. Um, we've had a multitude of configurations on the line, and I understand some of that's due to injuries and then some of the substitutions. It's good for next year. Hasn't been great for this year because you need cohesion. Um, so you have an erratic quarterback um, and I'm being kind, um, that I told you, my humble opinion may be <clears throat> slightly suffering um, still from the concussion because he was hit by a very large man at Tennessee. Um, they have a lot of those. Yes, yes, they do. And you have a lot of jostling of, of the offensive line. I believe there's talent there, but there's been, there's again, I used to, this chemistry word, the C word. You have to have chemistry. Mix that with receivers that have undersold and uh, are, are having a difficult time gaining separation. It's a stew of ugliness. Um, that being like the running running game, I don't have an obviously no issue with. Izzy's been great. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more of Sebo. Uh, I, I find him pretty fascinating as a runner. I, I'm hoping he comes back next year. Um, and and all that you know, uh, like I said, put all that into stew with. Uh, questionable calls at times and a, what I would say is almost downright predictable offense. Um, it's been a very strange year. I mean, if it wasn't for our defense on multiple occasions, including Saturday, we would have lost the game. I mean, so um, I know it's a portion of the game on top of special teams and that's another discussion, but you know, um, it's been a very, very interesting year to say the least. Um, um, if, He's back, and I'm, I'm assuming he will be. We don't know if, if Coach Signetti's back. I'm hoping there are adjustments that are made. Um, oh, and I left out one more. You have a potential All-American with Bartholomew, and I I was like, holy hell, he's coming from B.C. I thought Bartholomew would be almost one of our prime targets, and he hasn't. I mean, I, I, it's like he's forgot the tight end exists. I mean, he's they, they block quite a bit, but – the kid can catch. He's big. We saw what he did in Tennessee when he did the big leapfrog of the player. He's an athlete, and you have this weapon that's just sitting there. Um, the only time I, I could blame something on him was against Virginia. He was the prime target, didn't turn around, slowed just the roots to him. I'm not going to blame Keaton on that one, but it's just been a bizarro year. Now the running game speaks for itself. It's done done pretty well. 
Um, at the moment, um, I get it. You know, I, 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 I see Slovis is so unpredictable um, that I understand you want to ride that train and, you know, the best thing you have is the running game and it's leading you to victory. So I get it. But um, if he stays, I'm hoping there uh, there's a heart to heart discussion and they, they change some things in the offense, open it up a little bit. You know, it's it's just been an interesting year. Do you think we could see repercussions in recruiting uh, skill players if they're watching this offense? It's kind of an ugly, older style of offense. Do you think that matters to high school kids? I think it does. Um, I, I hate saying that. You know, everybody knows me as Mr. Positivity, but um, if my son was six foot two and ran like a gazelle and had committed early, um, and then I brought him to games and I'm watching Izzy run the ball. Um, t- 30 plus times a game. I mean, and, and I see slopes throwing to a DB. Um, I'm going to have, look, it's just reality. I'm going to have an issue. I, I, I don't know if it was a major factor with Minchie. I, I, I know some of the background there. I, I, it really wasn't as much as the lore of Notre Dame and the people around him and they were chirping in his ear. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm just being realistic. Um, not so much like an offensive lineman or anything like that, but if you're a wideout or a quarterback, yeah. I mean, these kids have eyes. I mean, um, if you're a, if you're a lineman that's a road grader, if you're a running back, Pitt looks pretty damn good, you know. But even the tight end, I thought tight ends would flock. Uh, you know, we're having a little bit of difficulty at the moment too with that, you know. So I do think it's a a, a mild deterrent if they're watching. Is there is there any more you 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 seem to know quite a bit and have have the insights too? Is there any more you can add about why Kenny Minchie you know went his separate ways with the Pitt program? Um, yes, I'm going to be careful here. Let me just say this. Um, you know, look, everybody loves to hate Notre Dame. If you're not a Fighting Irish fan, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of a, 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 a lot of uh, shine and luster around the program. They literally have um, gold flake in their helmets. A lot of shine. You better believe it. So, uh, you know, uh, certain recruits, um, you and you're lucky if you get them. Um, you get a uh, you get a, a, a kid that commits early, falls in love with the school. They sell the school and they tweet. They're all over it. You know. Then you get others that, you know, can be lured to another school. And in this case, I, I think um, you know there was quite a bit of people in his ear. Um, and, and you, you talked about the perception of Pitt. Well, they're, they're an upper tier school, but then you have that, that Alabama, and I'm going to put Notre Dame in there. Let's throw another one out, Georgia, where if there's enough influential people in their life and enough people talking, they can, they can get them to, uh, to flip. And, um, and it's, it's like a, it's like when you're in the ocean, you know, you have different sized fish, the sharks can eat the, the one fish and it's, uh, I, it wasn't so much the system. He knew the system when he committed. They sat down. They watched it. Signetti showed it to him. Um, did it factor in? Probably to a small degree. But in this case, I think it, when you're in sales, and I am in sales, it's about persistence. And I think in this case, it was the shark, which was Notre Dame, continuously chomping in his ear, talking about and talking to the people that were around him and selling him. And he left. Um, so, you know, uh, my only uh, the only reason I was frustrated was if you were going to decommit because they they offered him in like late June, early July. Go then. Um, I don't have a kid problem with the kid decommitting. Um, but 
you know, you're doing it with what, four or five weeks until letter of intent day. Now Pitt has to scramble a bit to find that quarterback. Um, so if I begrudge his decision in any way, I wish he would have did it months and months and months ago to give the staff more time. On top of that, I always remember when they visit and they're coming in, they're spending money on that recruit. They're feeding them. They're doing everything else. So, um, you know, it's a drop kick in the nutsack when they decide to bolt like this very close to uh, letter of intent day. But I- I'm going to leave it at that. Just, you know, yeah. did Signetti's offense factor in? Not not as much as you would think in this scenario. So Notre Dame swoops in last minute, steals, mention from Pitt. Who's a player back in the day who you thought for sure Pitt had in the bag and might have flipped and it still hurts you to this day? Oh, that's a really, really good question. And there's been a lot of them. Um, Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Good job, know, Jen. I mean, John. Yeah, you know, I go back in, when I first got started. Uh, oh, God. Like, like I think I like Brandon Short and some of these players that were local that Pitt was just on. And then it was Penn State, Penn State, Penn State. Um, last year, it's, I, I mean, I could go on and on. Like, I think of last year's class, we lost a receiver to Auburn. and um, Camden Brown. Camden Brown, and he went to a cesspool of a school. And it's just like, you know, you sit and you think, you know, what the hell were you thinking? I, I, I'd have to have a list. I could go through countless players. And I, you know, I, I well, let, let me, let me state this too. The hardest part is when you, you've done what I've done and you've covered recruiting and you know the time and the effort the staff's put in. We're talking countless hours of entertaining rapport building money spent um and you see they get down to like second place and last minute that player goes elsewhere it's it always hurts and i feel for the staff and the reason i feel for it too, you get a lot of people that gripe that we're always the uh, the bridesmaid and not the bride you know but mm. you know they don't realize in particularly these higher rated players so they have like 20 plus offers and we're down and we get we come in second place it just drives me nuts um John, I mean, it hurts us fans and i can only imagine a coach who's calling this kid texting this kid every day for six months i mean you know it's 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 crazy i mean i, I apologize and I'm, I'm trying to regurgitate names right now but there, there's been there's been many and it's been when we've always been kind of the bridesmaid you know where mm-hmm. you're, you're you're just sitting there and it's it's uh it's painful and uh i you know uh, again i try never to disparage the player i've had players that have gone like elsewhere that um you know, I, I even still keep in touch with because I got to know them. And um, probably one of the biggest compliments I got, uh, we had brought in, and this may be under Chris, there was a fullback tight end, John Simon, that had committed. And um, he had, you know, he, he we really got to know each other. He would ask me questions about Pittsburgh. I would address things to his family. And then the only school that could have pulled him away was Stanford. And Stanford offers, and he gets a hold of me and says, um, you know, Mr. Paceres, you've been so fair and treated me so well that I would like you to break kind of the decommitment and talk a little bit more about it. You know, and we kept in touch all four years he played there. Ended up having a really good career for Stanford. And, and, and you know, I, I, I again, I, I have relationships with Pitt players and players that did go elsewhere because you try to treat them with kindness. You know what I mean? Um if they do anything to besmirch Pitt, they're gone. I, I don't block them, but I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, unfollow them. But, but yeah, I could go through. God, it's been 20 years. I mean, so many different players. You're just that close. But you mentioned Cam the Brown. I mean, that was the latest one last year. 
I mean, I get it. If you're going to go to any other school, it's throwing the ball. But we went Auburn. I'm like, dude, they're going to lose their coach in a year. And it, they end up doing it. You know, so it's crazy. Who is Who had the craziest recruiting saga throughout their recruiting process? And why is it Terrell Pryor? Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. I get Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got to tell you, um, Pryor was. Uh, uh, let me just say this, and, I, I'm, you, and I'm gonna let I'm gonna let your viewers read between the lines. Okay, you're choosing Pryor, your words so carefully right now. <laughs> boy, I'm trying to watch. Pryor commits to Pitt. Who's the first guy to interview him? Oh, basketball. So we're talking basketball. Let's go back. If you guys forget that, yeah. me. So we're talking, and and. It, all I could tell you is what was told to me. So I'm divulging it, and I probably have it in an article. If you Google it, he said to me that his, I, from my understanding, his father had some sort of a disability, um, couldn't work. You know, it felt good to have the scholarship. School was paid for. He could stay close to home. Um, and then he blows up in football. And, you know, I received a, a quick interse DM telling me that, well, I'm decommitting, and now I'm going to go the football route. And um, the only thing I'll say was, you know, the picture I was painted from his coaches and, and him um, uh, was, you know, someone where having the finances paid for to be able to go to college was a, a big deal for the family. It's great. And I think that's what it's there for. It's a big deal, right? Um, then the bigger football schools got involved. And, you know, I'm hearing stories about, automobiles and everything else and i never saw based on what was told to me where all of those lavishes all the riches that kind of fell into place could could happen so um kind of an interesting scenario there before nil but um you know it was a um very interesting player to monitor to see how things turn out uh, we also if i may add um I always found it interesting. We had a former Whippeal uh, wide receiver um, that was quite uh, uh, impressive, a national recruit. And um, I was at the, the press conference and um, his family walks out in blue and gold and uh, went into a room and came out and committed to an SEC school. And um, I'll fill in the blanks there too, but he, I've never seen a player while committing looked like they were going to cry and it wasn't tears of joy. Um, but he committed to the SEC school. And I often wonder what that conversation was about. So I've seen some interesting stuff, you know, um, I wouldn't believe that if I wasn't at the press conference, but when I walked away and the, you know, the kid had committed to a uh, SEC school around the time where Tyler boy came to pit right around that time, it was uh, quite fascinating to, uh, to say the least. So this is before NIL now the clean, but uh, you know, little, little hokey back then. So I was trying to watch every word that I said. I'm trying to watch everything I say. You picked a good one, by the way. Very good one. That was a good example. I'm, I, 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 could, I could go on, and I've seen some, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, like, I can go back to, I and mean, even the guys that did come to Pitt, I mean, years ago, I was the only guy, believe it or not, there's 100 now. I was the only guy doing it. And I got a call um, from the car, and it was uh, – recruiting coordinator i think it was brian deal at the time and then coach harris was in the background and they were like hey we got this receiver out of richfield minnesota named larry fitzgerald and my first question was minnesota how the hell did that happen they go forget that he stopped by 
And he seems really into us. So when I tell you people start understanding the power of the internet, that's when they were like, you know, like, hey, you know, might want to check in on him. So I start writing a weekly Larry Fitzgerald article. I got to know his family, his brother Marcus. I think that went down the Marshall as a running back. And I mean, if they eat Fruit Loops, I knew it. I was just calling to call to call. I mean, so I've had some funny scenarios there. I mean, I go back, I've thrown this out before. I mean, when I first moved up here, I'm in like the Imperial PA area. Um, my sons go to West Allegheny, but it was funny. Like Dorn Dickerson and Double D, I'm so happy for him. I mean, he's made a name for himself here on the radio and everything else. Um, it was a big deal. When he committed, it was a very big deal. And his cousin, CJ Davis, who was a badass as well. I'm out in front of my house. We literally just moved up this way and I'm cutting grass and I'm in a, a black muscle shirt. I grass all over me. I smell like a raccoon and uh, you know, it smelled like roadkill. And um, I get a call and he's like, dude, this is before the papers. He goes, you come over here now and get a photo and you can tell him we're going to commit. And I'm like, you got, you got to be kidding me. I run upstairs. I'm like, how soon do you need me? Cause I reek. And he's like, no, I need you like now. So, you know, I was able to run over, 10 minutes from here in Walden Woods. I wish I had that photo. I mean, you know, I look like I'm from the back hills of West Virginia. And I, I have my arms around the two of them. And I beat the papers by, I put it out like that night, the traffic went crazy. I think I had like so many cool stories. I mean, the other one, it was a big deal at that time, um, it was HB uh, Blades. And it was like, you always get the one or two players everybody beats you up about. And, and again, go back to the tunnel vision. There's nobody but me. So H.B. Blades, we were on him and Clint Session as well, two badass linebackers. But everybody would ask about H.B. like every day. So I pull up here to Best Buy, like up here, and we're talking. He goes, listen, you can't say anything for like a week, but I'm coming to pit. And, you know, little things like that are so cool. You're sitting on this firecracker of information. All these people are like dying to know. And, you know, typing it up and reminding myself, hell, I, I have to wait a week to put this out, yeah. you know. What happens at Best Buy stays at Best Buy. You know, it was just, yeah, it was just, I mean, like, I have, like, funny story after funny story. I almost got my ass kicked by my wife. Um, we were eating in Bravo, and this is when, like, again, because you're the only guy, fans expect you to break everything. And I can't remember his name. We had a player out of Rhode Island. You can go, I'm, and honestly, it was out of a lineman out of Rhode Island. This is back. Wow, Wanstead-ish years, but he calls me, commits. I'm like, oh my god. So the, my wife goes, she put we put the order, and I said, give me one minute. I ran next door to Tinko's, and I lost track of time. And the food comes. My wife's sitting there going, where the hell did he go? And I'm typing the commitment article. I mean, and I, of course, I got my ass chewed out when I went back. So I mean, mm -hmm. I could go, I could go. We've I've had so much fun with it I, I i just can't tell you it's been i mean I, just crazy crazy stories aaron donald i mean i was essentially on the field i think he was like 5 10 250 watching him blow people up when greg catuso's arguing with wants that should we offer this guy you know what he means he was built like a fullback you know like stuff like that's pretty pretty cool you know and um the other thing max will tell you my my youngest my football nut and football player mad max will be watching an nfl game and It'll be so cool to go interview him, interview him, interview him, even if they didn't go to pit. It's been pretty cool knowing I've talked to him or, or developed some sort of relationship, that type of thing. It's really cool. Wow. 
<laughs> we're, we're, we're kind I, of I, know, I just rambled. I apologize. No, know, no, we're we're just taking it back by. So this is my third energy drink. So I have six hundred milligrams of caffeine in my system right now. So if I'm if I'm talking fast, you know what's going on. Well, no, I I love this because like I grew up as a as a kid. I was a recruiting drunk, junkie too. So I was on scout and like who has the most stars? Who are the kids from the Whitfield schools? Like the schools I know that North Hills mm-hmm. plays against and all that. So this is really cool for us. Uh, oh, hey, have- I should mention this too. And I, since I'm on a roll, I'm going to mention this, and I'm going to me- mention this to all of the fans that go psycho on Twitter and everything else. Remember something. Yeah, you guys have had Chris Peak on before. Mike Vakovkan does a great job. When you do what they do, and I used to do it at a great rate. I used to put out two, three, or the hardest part is you interview the kid. When you hit click, let me tell you why it's slightly depressing, because you're on to the next one, because fans are rabid for this information. So they're reading. They just read the article. They're all excited. They might go to the message board and type away. But within five minutes, they're like, okay, we're ready for the next one. You got to get back on that phone, pound. So give the guy slack. You know what I mean? If they make a mistake or if an article isn't up, shut the hell up. Calm down. Zen. Remember, be zen. Calm down and give these guys time to do their job. It's not easy. The other one I always loved was um, I would call him the message board douche. And it'd be the guy to go, you know what, Harry? You know, you do this one more time and I'm gone. Now, the beauty was for a long period of time, I was the only guy. And I'd be like, see ya, get the hell out. Because if you leave, there's no other message boards. Now there's 50 and you can find them all over the place. But um, those guys drive you nuts as well. You know what I mean? So, you know, just shout out public service announcement to pit fans. Calm down. Relax. You know, I know we're kind of, you know, masochists in general. We're kind of fatalistic. Oh, in general. yeah. We're all with the club. I get it. You know, I, we were, I was joking with the group up in our box watching a game on Saturday. And I said, we could be up by 40 points. But if you're a pit fan, you're sitting there going, ah. We could lose this one. You know what I mean? You just never, ever know. We're all masochists. But, you know, just keep that in mind. The guys that are doing what they do work really hard. They're trying to build their sources, um, you know, and it's 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 not as easy as it looks in terms of message boards and typing and doing it all. And I want to get back into more writing. I miss it. I really do. Once mm-hmm. my life calms down, whenever that is. But um, but just public service announcement for any, anybody listening to me at the moment. Yeah, so everyone leave leave Peak alone, leave Hammett alone, leave Harry alone. They're just leave don't shoot the messenger. I mean, like even like Mike, you know, I, I know Mike Vakoka and I talked to him yesterday. I mean, the, the guy's literally on the phone nonstop busting his ass. I mean, these guys work really, really hard. They're very good at what they do. And actually, let me say this. You mentioned to me the perception of Pitt. The other thing that helps us, there are schools, and it's strange, that are like major P5 schools that have like a dormant fan base online and might have like one rival site. The one thing I'll say about Pitt and our fans are awesome is if you have a player that puts up like an offer, our fans swarm them and trust me when it comes to perception and and don't give me this nonsense BS. You shouldn't be directly tweeting the player. Shut up. If they're putting it out there publicly, you're reading it publicly and you're, as long as you're not putting anything vulgar, you know, you're saying H to P or whatever it is. The one thing I'll tell you about Pitt, and it is it's astonishing, is we have an amazing online presence with rabid fans, and that really helps. Um, and I forgot to mention that. I'll, I'll interview players, and I'll talk to them, and they'll go, holy hell, like, you know, I had 50 Pitt fans hit me up last night on, you know, 
and, and man, I, I, I love the love that I'm receiving, you know, and so we're ahead of the game there, which is crazy compared to other schools. So, um, you know, overall, like I said, it, it that helps recruiting. And, and you know, the only thing I'd ask uh, fans is just remember, uh, you know, negative comments hurt, positive comments help. Uh, I have no problem with an H to P or this is a running back you or whatever you want to put. But uh, just just remember that coaches are working very hard to land that kid. You don't want to blow it saying something really stupid or irrational. And I'm not saying that's like a small percentage, mostly. I think a good rule of thumb is remember this is a child. Don't be weird. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, um, but uh, I, I, like I said, I mean, I've had a few within the last two to three years that are just blown away um, how often Pitt fans just throw and shower them with love. It's great. And that, that matters, you know, they want to be shown love because whether, whether we, you know, it's a nice thing to say or not. I think a lot of these young guys, they, they like having that, that ego scratch a little bit, you know, this is their first experience of that. And, and a lot of times, you know, they, they want the red carpet rolled out for them and they, they want the fans, you know, cheering for them and screaming their name before they ever even suit up. And, and I, I believe that Terrell Pryor was the inventor of, of uh, milking your recruitment for fame and, and notoriety, but that's, that's an off camera conversation, but uh, yeah, because it, he had I, a, pr- Yes, he had a press conference to announce he didn't make his decision yet. Did that have anything to do with that? Or how he, um, everyone in his circle was telling Mike White, yeah, he picked Ohio State already. I don't know why he's dragging it out. And he kept saying like, no, I need several more months. But we're just piling on Terrell Pryor at this point. But I was going to ask you about uh, that. I'll say this. I don't mind players putting up their offers. Um, and uh, it was funny. I, I listened to him on the radio the other day. I was I was giving him hell, uh, messaging him. Johnny Patrickson claims for, for Pitt, Patrician claimed that he was the first one doing it. And he may have been. And John was a kick-ass linebacker for us. I'm so glad he came back home. Um, mm. But uh, what I find comical is, okay, if you have 30 offers, you put up your top 10, whatever it might be. I, I, I laugh now because and it's been a trend the last couple of years. Oh, I apologize. Um I, I, I sit and I laugh when uh, that wasn't professional. I apologize. I've read it, but I, I laugh when I see, well, this is my top 17 or my top 19. And I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, it's just odd. It's either a top five or a top 10. You know, I don't mind them putting up. I'm blessed and honored to receive. I get it. It's a little bit of marketing ploy and all that. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, the press conferences too have gone a little crazy as well. You know, um, I'll give the kid – the Sims kid that committed to uh, Texas, the number one quarterback, it's kind of controversial to say that uh, number one quarterback in the nation, but uh, I'll give him credit because he, there was like really no pomp and circumstance. He just went, yep, I'm committed to Texas. I'm done. I thought it was kind of unusual for someone that that high caliber, not the the Manning boy. You mean, excuse me, the Manning boy. I apologize. He didn't throw this big parade and everything else. It was kind of refreshing. Actually. I was impressed. Yeah, absolutely. Every once in a while we'll throw in our, we have a pit group message, which is how we keep all up with all of our pit stuff. And we'll throw in like a, wow, this four star has pit in his top 14 and we'll go his top. What? Yeah. Right. That right. is 85% of all of his offers that we're going to, we're going to punt on this one. Yeah. Just very, very bizarre to say the least, you know, but uh, you know, and it, it's amazing too. We're talking about the evolution of recruiting. The other thing pits exceptionally good at, and they hire really good people. Or like the memes, if you follow me, um, you, you know, uh, mm. it, it, it's all of this matters. Ep- recruiting is sales. 
recruiting is marketing. It, make no doubt about it. The marketing end or these computerized memes that they're putting up. And boy, I, I and I do compare quite a bit because I, I love the marketing end of it. I, I almost thought about writing a book called The Second Season or something like that on recruiting um, when I had the time because it's become such a massive industry. And people don't realize how big it is. Yeah. But Pitt has been in my opinion, ahead of many, many schools on that as well. I mean, they'll put things up that just blow my mind when I see it. Eye-catching, it catches the recruit size. It's been fantastic. So from that end, too, um, anything electronic in terms of social media, anything like that, like I said, the fan base um, uh, pits a little bit ahead of the game than others. That's what we love to hear. You, I think I think the Pitt fans listening to this uh, need that little bit of a of a pick-me-up, so we appreciate you offering us that silver lining, uh, and we want to be sensitive to your time because we know you have an appointment to get to. But before we we let you go, we we want to know season finale against Miami. Who do you got? I'm going to say, oh boy, I tell you, I'm going to. They are awful. Um, they really are, and I think Crystal Ball, um, to me, is highly overrated. Yeah, uh, you know, I. I I'm, I laughed when he went there and everyone's excited and they're, you know, um, Van Dyke hasn't looked like himself. I hope we smash Henry Parrish into the ground. Oh, that's being, no, I'm being immature. I'm being immature there. So <laughs> I wish him well as well. No, um, I, I like us seven to 10 points. Um, we're going to ground and pound. Um, I think we're going to rely heavily. I hope Izzy comes back. I know he couldn't, I don't know why they didn't put him in the final series last game, but um, I like Pitt by, uh, seven to 10. And the only reason I say that our, our defense has been playing lights out. Um, I don't think they've seen a D line like ours. Uh, I call it the Charlie Partridge factor, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm hoping Haba's back. I don't know if he will be, you know, I'm hearing not the best things about his injury. Um, but that being said, I, I, what would consistently comes through for a pit is the defense. Um, so, um, I'm going to call it the Charlie Partridge X factor and say, we win 10 by 10 points. You know, we, we should, win by 10 points we have to avoid stupid stupid uh turnovers um Mm -hmm. and um our our special teams play has been less than special it's been ghastly um so uh pick a punter uh whichever punter you want um repetition breeds excellence i'm a martial artist it's it's you know bruce lee's concept you know throwing the thousand punches um pick one settle with them and, and and just you know, do your best not to screw up on special teams as well. So, but if we, we would turn over multiple times, we lose the game. That's it. We, it's, it's, we could very easily because Miami seems to have our number and I don't know why they always do. Um, so uh, I would say right now, if we turn the ball over at least twice, we lose the game. We're talking next time we've already lost the game. So there's no reason why Pitt can't go down there and win by 10, 14 points. Catch the punts, hold the ball, win the game. And pick a punter. Pick one punter. I mean, you know, they just punt. Pick, pick, pick one. It can't be that hard. We're auditioning a punter in the middle of this. Three punters. I've never seen this before. It's it's lunacy. Again, you know, just repetition breeds excellence. Let them have more practice. Pick one, pick one punter. That's it. That's it. Just drives me crazy. Find the one who can catch and kick at the furthest. That's my vote. Yeah, exactly. You just one that won't go through their hands. But you know what? And, and I, I, I guess I lean towards these Australian types because they can move the ball. Like, you know what I mean? Like Vanderhaar, they could shift. But for the love of God, just pick a punter. 
And, and don't let that for once not be a liability. Just once, you know, it'd be really nice. If you play a clean game, you should beat Miami. And it's a cesspool down there. I mean, it, it really is, you know. So I'm just hoping uh, it'd be great to have that eighth win and see where we go in a bowl and all of us can have a beer together. It'd be great. Summer warm. Yep. I'm all for it. Absolutely. And you know what? I need to join your club. So if we go to a bowl, I need to start now. I'm going to grow facial hair so I fit in with this yeah. group. So I'm going to grow that big, like, poncho via mustache and kind of come down. Well, it'll be cool, man. It'll work out well. I love it. It will look I like a boy it. band. It'll work out well. Yeah. <laughs> No, fellas, this has been a blast, man. I've had a really great time being on. And yeah, I'd love to have you on. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us and, and for all that great insight. And we'll have to have you back on because it sounds like you have no shortage of stories. Oh, hell no. I could, I could talk all day. So, yeah, anytime you need <laughs> me on, you guys have me on. I'm high energy. It's not a problem. Also, uh, maybe we take you up on that beer and we can have some of these some of these off-record stories as well. That we, that There's we some water. Okay, yes, yes. <laughs> There's a lot we can't say on this podcast. And that's where we can have it. So it's going to work out well. But uh, I'm venturing off to uh, organize North Fayette's light up night. If either one of you wants to be Santa Claus, let me know. You guys can join me over at the community center and go from there. But, uh, but fellas, again, awesome. You guys do a great job. Seriously, you do a great job. Uh, you have, you, like I said, I, I think you have a future in this. Anytime you guys want me on, I'm a phone call away. And hopefully we meet each other at the bowl as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Harry. We appreciate your time. And as always, hail to pit. Hail to pit. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Take Sarah. Help it. Are you or someone you know looking for work in a recession-proof industry? Are you someone that's interested in things like having health care, having a 401k, immediate PTO accrual, an employee assistance program, referral payouts, or a $3,000 signing bonus? Our newest sponsor, Haddad Accelerated Delivery, an Amazon delivery partner, is looking for safety-minded and dependable drivers to join their delivery service team. Be a part of a company that will encourage self-ownership and award bonuses based on exceptional safety and delivery efforts. This is the ideal gig for individuals seeking full-time work or students interested in making some pretty good money during breaks. If you or someone you know is safety-focused, hard-working, organized, efficient, and team-oriented, text HADD to 464-646 to apply. I understand that that is an impossible string of letters and numbers, so here it is again. That's H-A-D-D to 464-646. For a job that's the total package, get it? Because, like, it's uh, deliveries. Haddad Accelerated Delivery is the place for you. For the final regular season game of the 2022 season for the Pitt Panthers, they head down to Miami, Florida to take on the Miami Hurricanes. Our last regular season sports book, fellas. Let's just get right into it. Will Keaton Slovis finished with more touchdowns than interceptions on the season? As it stands today, he has seven touchdowns and eight interceptions. Squid, what do you think? I think he will finish with more interceptions. I think he will remain at seven touchdowns and eight interceptions. I don't think he gets either this next game. No type of stats. David, what do you think? Uh, no, I, I think he's going to end with more picks. 
Remember when people used to complain about Kenny throwing 13 touchdowns and nine picks in like a shortened season? We might have a couple more wins this year if Keaton had 13 touchdowns and nine picks. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Toss a couple in the Georgia Tech game, the Louisville game. Um, I'm going to go with a push here. I'm hoping he can get one touchdown and avoid the interception bug, finish with eight and eight. That would be a very, uh, that's a Spencer Petrus esque stat line for the season. So, oh, Jesus. That's a that's a great note to start on. All right, well here here's an, one even better. How many punters will Pitt use on Saturday? I'll start. I'm going to say two, and I'm hoping they don't have to punt more than twice. But for some reason, they're definitely going to travel with multiple punters, and I'm going to say two. Um, Vanderhaar will get a look, and Junko will get a look. Yeah, I think we're going to get two as well. I think Vanderhaar will be the down inside of the ten guy, and Whoever drops the least punts in practice this week will be the hunter for all other duties. So whenever we go three and out to start the game, uh, Guess or Junko will be that guy to boot it away. I'm going to say two, and I'm going to say it's Vanderhaar and Guess. Don't know if they'll forgive Junko for that drop, but uh, you know they keep the rotation strong so that you know by by the bowl game they they have their kicking situation figured out. More time to practice between the last game and the bowl game, so they should get Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they will travel all three of them or if Junko just costs himself a free trip to Miami with, with dropping that that snap. That would be the biggest punishment for him. Not 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 getting snaps, not getting a punt in the Miami game, but actually not being able to spend the weekend in Miami and just spending it in freezing cold Pittsburgh. Junko, you might have just dropped yourself a free trip to Fort Lauderdale. Some good motivation. Yeah, exactly. Catch the ball, get warm weather. All right, next. Uh, Miami's offense has been pretty putrid lately, although Cristobal did mention that Tyler Van Dyke should be ready to go for this Saturday at Pitt, or they're expecting to have him back. Why would um, he even want to? Yeah, at this point, just chill on the sideline and Hit the coast, portal. In, coast into the portal. Uh, over under 17.5 points for Miami's offense. David, why don't you kick us off on this one? Uh, My heart says under but like they have our number and if anyone's gonna let Miami have a day on offense it's gonna be us not because our defense is bad but because that's just kind of our luck so I'm gonna go over I'm gonna say under I don't think it's much under because they'll probably get a fluky player too and uh, I think my thought process here is this is a revenge game for Pitt Miami spoiled their season last year, and uh, Miami has absolutely nothing to play for. Like I guess they're, they're playing for a bowl game. They won more one more game. They're bowl eligible, but they're a mess. I don't think half their team cares. And Narduzzi can at least get the team juice stuff for win number eight and get them back for them beating you in your backyard last year. Yeah. So the Hurricanes coaching staff is probably going to want this win they're going to want to be able to say they got to a bowl game and those extra practices you get with bowl games are usually what coaches say is the most important especially when you're just fighting for a six and six bowl game um the players on the other hand they go to school in miami and coral gables so they might not be all that motivated to keep practicing for the next few weeks and they could just head down the south beach or fort lauderdale beach for the weekends i don't know i'm sure they love football but they can't love it that much if 
if uh, they're playing for that coaching staff. So I do think they go over on this one. I don't think it's much over. I think you'll hear it in my prediction a little bit, but they'll score around the 20 point mark. But I also would not be surprised if Pitt goes down there and just beats up on an uninspired Miami team, especially if they, if they don't have a Van Dyke, they're definitely going under. This is my assumption is Van Dyke will play yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. But um, defense is, has been firing on all cylinders. There were a couple mishaps last week, but for the most part, the defense has been taking care of business. The offense hasn't always just set them up and put them in the best position to succeed. And I guess the, the special teams, one of our three punters. Uh, how many times will we say fire Signetti? And I don't know who's going to be in charge of keeping count. I don't know how this will ever be tracked, but I just want to hear what you guys have to say. So, David, how many times will we, as a trio, say Fire Signetti on Saturday? Oh, combined. That's tough. Oh, yeah, that changes things. Um, Well, however much I guess, I'm just going to, like, ensure that it gets there whether whether that's saying it a bunch of times myself no or no no tying you guys up in a closet here. um i mean if it were up to me i wouldn't even be watching this game uh oh come on oh i'm i'm just being a sour puss uh <laughs> 12 okay i'm gonna say a little bit less I say we get three each. I'll say nine. And I'm only saying that because I think the game might be out of hand early on. If it was a close game, like last game, and our offense had to like have some pressure on it, I think we'd have a higher total. But I think Pitt takes care of business, and we will be pleased with our eighth win on the bowl game. I think you guys are underestimating that this is an 8 p.m. kick. On a holiday weekend, we could be we could be in rare form come kickoff. This is also a game against Miami, who has historically dominated us. And this game will determine whether or not we go the dreaded seven and five. So if if we start a fire Signetti chant at the bar, does each individual Fire Signetti. Does that count as one, or does the whole chant just count as one? How are we each. scoring that? Each, each, each individual Fire Signetti. Yeah, so we get up to twelve and one chant. Yeah. Okay. Semantics. Okay. All right. Additional question: Is that one for each of us? Like, like if the three of us chant Fire Signetti four times, is that twelve, or is that? Everyone counts. Imagine we have, we hire a, an intern to stand in the corner and click a little button every time. The one pitch of count, says, the pitch yeah. count clicker, fire signetti, click, 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 yeah, like that. I'm going with fifty. That's my pick. Yeah, can I change mine now knowing the rules? Sure. Fifty-one. Okay. I'm going to forty-nine. Actually, you guys are sweet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll keep track of that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> This one we've we tried to reinvent the wheel one too many times, but who will be the first touchdown score? Izzy's worth one point, Hammond's worth two, everyone else worth ten for the last week of the year. Izzy, <laughs> I'll take... it's just a free point. Yeah, it's like a free space in a bingo game. 
I have a fear that I'm not that close to first place, so I'm going to go for a 10-pointer here and take the defense. I think the defense <laughs> scores. It'll give me 10 points, and that'll pull vault me into first place in our poll if we ever decide to go back and count the point totals. I also need, I'm sure, a ton of points to get back into it, so I'm going to go with our old buddy, Pride of Canada, hero soldier, Jared Wayne, just because if anyone's going to get me back into it, I can rely on anyone. Put my fate into someone's hands. It's going to be Jared Wayne. We're going to do a better job keeping track next year um, when there's like a tattoo on the line. A thing that I'm going to get you two bought in on. Sure. Oh, we could have. We could have Royal Suns followers submit their designs for the tattoo. And then we pick our favorite one. This is a good idea. This is a great idea. It could just be Mark Whipple's face. Should have thought of this three months ago. Always striving to improve here. Um, All right, let's get to the predictions. Let's get out of here. We've got Thanksgiving coming up, a turkey bowl to prepare for, and a whole lot of football to watch this weekend. So Mm -hmm. right now, as the spread sits, Pitt is favored by six and a half. We're recording this Monday night. Six and a half over under at 43 and a half we're not gonna count for the over under but give me your score prediction does pick cover and how are they wrapping up the 2022 regular season squid stars off i'm doing pit 27 miami 17 i think miami's playing uninspired but because it's miami they'll have a few tricks up their sleeve and they will work very easily and i'll keep them in it but they aren't good so we will get that coveted eighth win. Uh, yeah, I I think Miami's going to cover, but I think we're going to win like 27-24. It's going to be sloppy. It's going to be ugly. Um, it's going to be a perfect symbol for what this season was. But who knows? Maybe, maybe Signetti will just like bring out Jared Wayne to run the triple option. Give us, give us something enjoyable. Yeah, I bet. I bet we'll get something enjoyable from the offense. No, yeah. Not just 36 carries. No, I'm certain. Uh, um, Yeah. Just let us know what dog shit bowl we're going to. Well, I don't think Pitt covers, but I do think they get the win. I think it'll be ugly. I think Miami always hangs around. They always have dudes. They always have those South Florida athletes. I think Pitt pulls it out, though. 23-21. They get the 8-4. and four. And we'll sit around, wait for those conference championships to take place and figure out if we're heading to the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa or the Pinstripe Bowl in New York, the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte. We might end up in Charlotte this year after all. Wow. Look at that. By a technicality. Let's see what happens. I'd love to avoid seven and five. I'd love to get a win over Miami. And I'd love to win the last coastal game that the Pitt Panthers will ever play. Wow. The end of an era. And I must say, with the game being at 8 p.m., I'm guessing it's the last Coastal game there will ever be. So let's pay our respects to the Coastal Division and all the the fun times, the bad times, the the wild times. times that it's granted us over the past few years. What's your favorite Coastal moment? Uh, Got to be the time that Pitt won it 
as a seven and seven football team. I love the fact that every team won it without a repeat champion. I don't know if that'll ever happen again in any, well, I guess divisions are gone. Probably happen across all college football. Might never happen again. I'll be telling my kids about that magical season. The Pitt won it the first time. Everyone went through and won it, and then Pitt Panthers won it a second time. I, I think UNC is going to win this year, but I do think you can rightfully call us the kings of the coastal. Yeah, for, for all of eternity. Sure. Mm-hmm. We'll make the shirts. We parlayed ours with an ACC championship. And I will miss the Coastal, not only because all the chaos that ensued because of it, but also because it gave us a puncher's chance every single year that we yeah, might end up. because it was up so with. bad. It, it was so we, competitive. It was so competitive. Everyone had a chance to win. I think we can all agree that the Coastal was the perfect college football division. It was beautiful, but not, you know... Not everything that is golden may stay. RIP to the Coastal. We will miss the Coastal Division very much, but we have one last matchup this Saturday night at Miami. Pitt Panthers take on the Miami Hurricanes. Let's go 8-4, and four, fellas. Please. Please win and please go 8-4. and four. We were so negative this episode. We could just end the season on a four-game win streak. Go to a respectable bowl game. Win again. And then we'll be back on the train to start next season. And we are all going to force ourselves to forget like why we were so down on this season nope. and, and lost interest. And we're we're going to be like, it won five games in a row last year. Yep. Their defense figured it out. Slovis must have been doing something right to win all those games. I'm just going to look at the numbers on the piece of paper and forget how we got there. Let's do it. Sounds like a plan. Please win. Gotta win on Saturday first. Please just beat the brakes off of Mario Cristobal and those sorry hurricanes for once. Where it began, I can't begin to know it. But then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer. Who'd have believed you'd come along Hands Touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching